Season one, I mean, uh, game one, nailed the intro. Season, <laughs> season, season two, three, season three. All I care all about right, is yeah. the video, man. That's all I care about. We yeah, are here. <laughs> Welcome to Dog Central Live. Uh, today we are going to kick off 2022 with our film previews. Uh, not to sound too braggadocious, but this was the show that kind of put put this uh this franchise on the map it has been the most accurate uga prediction show in the uga market for at least the last 12 months caveat to that <laughs> is the, the, the one time we were way off was before the georgia clemson game last year when we thought there was going to be like 60 to 70 points scored and there was 17 but we did kind of nail that georgia's defensive line would win the game so we are in a situation where new staff at Oregon, uh, lots of transfer portal stuff happening, um, just not many priors. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna dig into some stuff and pull what we can, and try to give you guys the best picture of what we think is gonna happen. But I do want to say I think that uh, as the season goes on and we get more and more information and more and more film on all these teams, uh, what we do here definitely gets easier week by week. Much easier. This this that's a big caveat for folks that going in with transfers on Oregon, a new staff. Uh, yeah. I think we have a lot to lean into, and I'm excited to talk about it. But also, you never know in these these situations. So, okay. So which games Absolutely. got? I mean, we, we were all pretty excited about Clemson last year, but I mean, Oregon. I think we're coming off the t- the Natty, and and you know we're coming in as king of the mountain kind of thing on top of the mountain, and then Oregon just feels like not like a letdown at all, but it's like we we would have been so stoked last year to play Oregon. Yeah, you know? and this oh, is absolutely. A, this is a good team. They've recruited really really well. Yeah, the, the best recruiting team in the West, and uh, I mean this could be, I mean it could be a, I think it's gonna be a good game. I really do. I mean, at, at that point, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to give away picks, but that that line, I just don't. No spoilers. No spoilers. Oh. No, spoilers. <laughs> no, it's definitely a marquee matchup, and the intersectional like theme to it is fun. I mean, Georgia and Oregon were scheduled to do a home and home when Damon Evans was athletic director. Um, that obviously never happened, but this does feel like a game that's kind of overdue. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I mean, as someone who like lives, you know, in the mountain time zone, uh, Oregon is definitely one of the two or three biggest brands, college football brands West of Texas. And, and it's fun. I think this is an exciting matchup and great uniform matchup and uh, very interested to see what the Oregon turnout in Atlanta is. Yeah. I think it, you're, I, you hit the nail on the head, Josh. I think if we'd said last year, Hey, you're, you're coming out of the gate with Oregon, we would have been ecstatic. I, I will say this. I mean, I think fans are excited for football. I'm excited for football. I think Oregon with Dan Lanning, Bo Nix is their quarterback. Like there's a lot of storylines that this, you, if you're not as excited uh, this year because Georgia won a natty and you feel like, you know, kind of maybe it's a little bit of a letdown to be playing the number 11 team in the country versus starting with a number three team. Uh, there's enough storylines in here that, that you should really, I think you should really get excited because I think it's going to be a great game. I think um, Dan Lanning is going to have this team. Dan Lanning himself is going to be out to prove something. I think he's going to have this team ready to prove something. Um, and uh and I'm excited to see it go down. Also excited because real football is back. Week zero, you know. Yeah. I mean, they didn't it even have the, the beak beer. a little bit, but they didn't even have the. They didn't even have the. They didn't have the 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 beer machines working at uh, in Ireland after they had given away all the, all the free beer. Um, yeah, we need the straight, unlaced, you know, pure yeah. product, and that's what we're getting this Saturday. Yeah. And I mean, you know, this this game going on the same time as Utah, Florida is also kind of cool. Just the, sort of the Pac-12 SEC East theme yeah. here. Uh, I like that. It's the it's the Pac-12 SEC challenge. If this was basketball, I love it. Exactly. All I right, guess, y'all want to get into some plays? Uh, plays? Cool. Let's do plays. I'm sorry. Were you gonna say something? No, no. I was Maybe gonna say. I thought we we're going into the players, and we were talking about the SEC Pac-12, and then we've got some friendly faces over there. Of course, Bo Nix. Being the transfer, we've talked about the transfer. Everyone knows at this point 
Bo Nix is a quarterback. But um, anyway, but you, we broke down. We got some plays from the Oregon spring game. And uh, let me see if I can push a button and see if I can make it happen. Oops. Nope, not that one. Let's just do this. Okay. Boom. Bam. Look at that. All right. So I want you guys to take note of something here. Oregon's first play of the season, and the Ducks are running a tight bunch formation. If that feels familiar, like you've seen it before, it's because Alabama ran them against Georgia all the time in the SEC championship game last year and in Indianapolis. The guy that caught that ball, number seven, his name is actually Seven McGee. That'll be easy for you to remember. He is only five foot eight, but he is very shifty. I expect him to be the starter in the slot. Um, Oregon kind of has a similar problem to what Clemson had last year, where they have like a bunch of six foot three plus dudes all over the field. Mm-hmm. And then they have that one guy that can run slants. Um, number two on the green team on that, that clip that you're, yeah, right here. Uh, so that's DJ Johnson. And He's probably the edge guy that's the biggest threat now that Kayvon Thibodeau is in the NFL. The guy he blows past at left tackle is TJ Bass, number 56. Bass was like a fringe All-American left guard last year, and Oregon is going to try and play him at left tackle potentially. We're not quite sure yet, but something to watch. Um, There's been a lot of hype around Oregon's OL going into this game, but they're also like inexperienced in spots and gave up approximately 15 sacks in their spring game so i'm i'm very confused by the like media narrative that's like this is the strength of the team is the offensive line i actually think they have more depth on their defensive line all right um, which clip we're up to three yes sir so uh you're gonna see a little rpo here this is bo nicks at quarterback uh basically just saying expect a lot of rpos from kenny dillingham he was the florida state offensive coordinator last year i think you'll you'll see them try to RPO Georgia's young linebackers and confuse them Mm -hmm. and see what happens when that happens. Uh, Yeah. All right. So this guy here in clip four. You want four? Yep. Yeah. So Ty Thompson is a quarterback here. Uh, If Bo Nix isn't playing quarterback, this will be the guy who is. And the wide receiver he hits right here, number 11, is Troy Franklin. Uh, He was a former top eight overall receiver in his class short on experience coming into second year but he was one of the top wide receivers in the 2021 class he's he's gonna be good and his size i think makes him a little bit of a threat we expect javon buller to start at that slot kind of nickel corner star position um i think bullard can cover him tight but if you get into a jump ball scenario franklin's probably going to have that advantage with his size And then clip five, you're going to see the guy at the bottom of your screen here. He's going to come across the middle, make a nice catch. His name is Chase Coda. Uh, UCLA wide receiver transfer, big body, never really broke through with the Bruins. But he does not have speed to burn anyone. But again, like big bodied wide receivers, I think if things go wrong for Georgia on Saturday on defense, it's going to be because they just can't handle these big bodies on the outside sometimes have a bit of a feet oh um and then we've got masse funa coming off the edge here the near edge uh oh i'm sorry where's clip six clip six yeah uh so you're gonna see uh number 18 here come into the backfield and make some havoc but uh Masefun is his name. They've got a defensive line that is similar to like what you see in the SEC where they run two to three deep at all the positions. Uh, and they've got some some freaky athletes. They've got some dudes that used to play tight end and running back at edge. Like there's a lot going on there. I don't know who you're going to see as their starters on Saturday, but um, I think that's an interesting storyline in this game. Like it may be a little harder for Georgia to like the way that you see teams struggle to wear Georgia out because they're, they're just subbing all the time up front. I think you'll see some of that from Oregon, especially now that Lanning's over there. Here's. Yeah. I mean, I think Dan Lanning couldn't have inherited a better personnel of the jobs that were available to run what he's going to want to run in that front seven, especially like, I think they're going to be, 
there's there's not there's a lot of similarities to that to that depth chart um for Oregon with with personnel for what Dan Lanning's going to try to do for sure. Yeah, and I was looking at that depth chart, and they're all there's only a couple of three stars, and there's two five stars, Sewell and uh, the other linebacker, and then the rest of them are four stars. Again, this is a this is a this team has a lot of talent. Uh, yep. Where, Graham, where are we on the clip? Seven or eight? We are clip seven. So the guy you're going to see here is again seven McGee, number seven. Sorry, guys, my light went out, so we're just going to deal with it. Um, <laughs> you can still hear my voice. That's all that matters. Uh, yeah, Seven McGee, I think, like, Oregon has got to get this dude the ball. He is explosive. You see there, he can erase some angles. He does that weird super cyan kick at the sideline, which is kind of sweet. That's the Antonio um, Brown kick. <laughs> yeah, dude. He's just like 5'8", <laughs> dude, trying to kick people in the face. I like him. Um uh, all right, so here you're going to see Oregon's other big-time wide receiver recruit in clip eight. Uh, this is Dante Thompson, and he just burns the defense right there. He's big, he's athletic, and he's fast. And uh, the DB was Jalil Florence, who might play some plays for the Ducks on Saturday. I think he, you know, is kind of maybe a, a rotational guy for them, but – I think you'll see him at some point. So the the opposite side of this is Georgia may have an opportunity to pick on Florence if he does come into the game. Uh, clip 10. Yeah, you got it. Uh, another RPO on the goal line. Yeah, exactly. Um, so two times we've seen him in the red zone, two times RPO into a slant over the middle. Uh, that time is to Franklin. So they're going to try to get Georgia's safeties to bite down and, and open up some slants behind them. And then you're going to see clip 11. Whoops, sorry. You're okay. Uh, so here is Chase Coda again. Uh, this is a nice throw from Thompson. And, I mean, I'm sure if you're a Georgia fan and you are following Georgia closely enough to watch a show like this, you've probably seen the speculation of, you know, landing not announcing a starter. I think Bo Nix is going to play, but maybe Bo Nix has just not been able to beat out Ty Thompson, and and this is going to be the kid. Um, I think he's better with some of the quick game stuff than Knicks, but man, there's some decision-making that happens in the spring game that makes me feel like if they decide to throw him out there, it's going to be a lot like Anthony Richardson versus Georgia and Jacksonville last year, where it's just not, not the situation you want to throw a young quarterback in to try and build confidence. Yeah. I think you have to go, I mean, we'll see what happens, but I think you have to go with Bo Nix and, and you have to have, Ty Thompson as as the guy that you're gonna you know if you need to pull the the leash on Bo um, because of backyard Bo showed up or um, or there's something you know going going awry for that offense I think to me I feel like exactly because of exactly what you said Graham is that it's just a tough spot to throw a kid in um, in their first kind of you know high profile there's a difference between, you know, playing, but getting a, a start in a high profile Pac-12 game versus being, you know, against the reigning national champions with that Georgia defense uh, in Atlanta uh, on, you know, national TV in the first game of the year. And so um, I, I think Kirby, you know, he said it in his press conference this week, he said, he said, I know who the quarterback's going to be. I'm not worried about that. And I yeah. think, I think what he's I, – I personally think what he's saying, and I'm not saying that he's daring Dan Lanning, but I think he's I think he's saying, like, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm daring you to roll Ty Thompson out there. Please do that. Um, yeah, be my guess. Because he knows – yeah, because he knows exactly what uh, what all of us saw in the spring game um, as well. I mean, that kid's going to be good, but it's going to take – it takes – you need a couple games to get your legs under you um, before you go against a, a defense uh, like Georgia has. Agreed. Agreed. Graham, you ready to get back into it? I'm, I'm on clip 14. Yep. So, uh, Bo Nix, speaking of him, uh, still a questionable decision maker. We just talked about Ty Thompson's decision making, but uh, I think backyard Bo is what you just said. And, um, yeah, you see just where is that going? Not really yep. sure. Kind of looks like he just – Try to, he sees two yellow jerseys out there and decides to just kind of throw it up. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, yeah, we 
we kind of know, you know, we've seen Georgia bait him into some, some throws like that over the years as well. So this is a guy that would scare me if I'm Georgia. Noah Whittington is his name. He's a transfer from Western Kentucky who was maybe the best offense in college football last year. He's a five, eight kind of scat back. Uh, and he's actually out of peach County high school in Georgia, um, passed up by a lot of power five schools due to his size, but you can see there he is quick. And if you let him get on the edge, he can create some trouble. So I think that's a guy to watch for if you see him in the game and you're going to see this next play, they're going to, they're going to toss him the ball out of the backfield as well. And he's going to make some things happen here. So one to uh, watch for. And then one thing that was really noticeable in this spring game was that Oregon's defensive ends did not set edges very well here in clip 18. Um, they just get collapsed down a lot. And yeah, it's like, I think this offensive line is a way better run blocking offensive line than it is a pass blocking offensive line. Mm -hmm. um, if I was playing Georgia, I wouldn't want to have to rely on the run. Like, I don't think that's how you beat Georgia, but uh, I think that, that like, yeah, I just, I, I don't think they're going to excel in the pass block, but I think they can run block. Um, so clip 20, this is what you can be scared of from Oregon. These guys have size and they can play jump balls in the air. Uh, that's Coda again. Georgia's done well with these big wide receivers in recent years. I think Kamari Lassiter has the body to play these dudes. Killy Ringo, we, we know definitely does. But Georgia plays a lot of one-on-one -on -one coverage on the outside mm -hmm. and they'll try the quarterbacks um like oregon's gonna try these these defensive backs and and see what happens and then clip 23 so the defensive back you're gonna see on this play is a guy named triqueasy bridges and he's a big ass corner he's six three uh he's fast he started for oregon last year he can play kind of safety play on the boundary like He's his size, I think, is going to make him an NFL draft pick. Um, and what you see on that throw right there, that's Ty Thompson behind the receiver. Like, that's why they have you know, Thompson was a five star all world high school quarterback, and that's why they haven't gone with him yet. It's because it throws like that. Uh, clip 24. So, I think Oregon wants to use a lot of these crossing routes, rub routes, mesh type pick, pick plays. Uh, varied formations to try and confuse Georgia. That's Thompson on the underneath route, which I think Georgia can defend those well, but these young inside linebackers are going to have to be prepared, prepared to kind of drop out or step up depending on the situation. And uh, that's Troy Franklin here catching the ball. Um, again, watch out for him. And then 25. So you're going to see the edge rusher here that makes the sack is uh Braden Swenson. So he had a big breakout performance in the spring game where he had five sacks in the first half. Uh, but his run defense grade last year was a 46 from PFF. So I think he's going to be that situational third down edge rusher. But uh, if Georgia can go tempo and catch him in the game, you know, after a third down conversion or something and, and run at him, I think they can have some, some success because I don't think he can set an edge against McClendon or Broderick Jones. Uh, 26. So, yeah, this, again, just kind of talking about offensive line versus defensive line, like this pocket collapsed on Knicks and Ty Thompson a ton in the spring game. Um, just I have questions about this offensive line and its ability to, to play against Georgia's front seven effectively, especially in pass protection. And then uh, 28, you're going to see – I got 27. Oh, I'm sorry. You got the right one. Yeah, this is an interesting – so watch the two inside linebackers. They're going to come off the right side. They're going to do this pre-snap shift and sort of do this overload blitz to the left side of the offensive line and come free. Uh, I think it's just – you know, those are reserve guys, but I, I think you'll see – landing blitzed inside linebackers a ton at Georgia last year. And I think he's going to do it again on Saturday. Um, the question is, can Georgia make him pay for pulling those guys out of coverage? <laughs> and then 28, this is uh, Oregon's pass-catching tight end, Terrence Ferguson. They will split him out at all the wide receiver positions. Uh, you know, just a guy to keep an eye on. And then 
Oh, wait. I don't know what's happening. 29. There we go. So, that's actually Terrence Ferguson. Excuse me. Apologize. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I, th- I think it's just – it's going to be interesting. See what – I think clip 30 um, is actually – one that I, I meant to have you run. No, it's not. That's okay. Um, anyways, the only thing, other thing I made note of, I, and I screwed up the clip numbers, was that uh, that same deep crossing pattern they ran to seven McGee to open the spring game, they also ran it again for a big play later in the spring game. So it's clearly a pattern that, that Dillingham likes and that, you know, they've they've had some success with in their own practices. Yeah, I get a lot of talent, um, and you we went through that. You looked at the players and the stats, PFF grades, and you looked at that that stuff, and we got thirty plays for you to look at. So um, it's a lot to put out, and I appreciate you doing that. And we we've got some we're familiar with some of the names that we're going to be whose numbers are going to be called on Saturday. Um, after looking at it, what's your what's your feeling on? I mean, it seems seems like the question mark is the quarterback. I guess that seems like what they're missing. Is that is that what I'm gleaning from? That little tape breakdown there? Um, I don't know about that. I mean, I think Bo Nix, like, you know, I, I think you could turn him into a productive quarterback if you can keep him playing within himself. Uh, I expect him to play on Saturday. I mean, like, Bo Nix, we just kind of – we kind of know what he is, right? But, uh, I mean, I, I think Oregon can do some nice things with him if – the offensive line can give him time if the receivers can get separate. Like, so I actually think it's kind of like Bo Nix. If it's bad Bo, then this game just goes sideways early in the first half. But even if it's good Bo, I think how this thing plays out is really dependent on all of his, uh, all the pieces around him. I mean, there's bad Bo right there, buddy. 4.2 4.2 yards per attempt in three games, 34% success rate. This is, these are the three games he played against Georgia. A yeah. negative a negative pass EPA on 145 attempts. I mean, yeah, one thing that I pulled was Georgia pressured him 18 times last year, and he was 5 of 18 for 39 yards on those throws. So, like, if Georgia's <laughs> going to pressure him again, then I think we know how this is going to turn out. But yeah. I can also say that about most football games with any quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the the challenge is going to be if if you look at results last year, and obviously players can get better from last year to this year, and this is the first game. Um, but the right side of that Oregon offensive line, um, Amave Lalu, who's probably likely going to start right tackle, um, had a sixty one point nine PFF grade overall um, and a sixty one point four pass blocking grade, which which wasn't great. I mean, I, you know the 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 guys struggled at times in, in pass blocking in particular um, Byron Carwell, who's likely going to be their starting run back had a 29.6 uh, pass protection grade from PFF last year. Right. So if you get in situations where you're trying to force, if Georgia can get in situations where they have, where they're forcing Oregon to go to some type of, you know, max protect or whatever, like it, it really is going to come down to, you've got a couple of transfers at running back and you got a running back who last year wasn't very good in pass protection. And you got a right tackle last year that wasn't that great either. And so there are holes that you can definitely expose in the pass rush. Um, if you can get, you know, if you can get them into situations where, um, where they're depending on Bo Nix or, Ty Thompson or whatever to actually have a little bit of time to try to, to try to have to, you know, get 10 or 12 or 15 yards um, down the field for a first down. And I think, I think Georgia has been, you know, last year, obviously the defense was, was very, very good at getting teams into those situations, those kind of pressure second down and third down uh, situations. Um, but if you can, if you get them there, if, if, if Oregon, you know, can't get any momentum, running the ball if they're not picking up you know plays on first and second down and they get in a situation where they're behind the sticks um there there are quite a few holes i think you you can expose um in in the pass protection in particular yeah i i I agree with that assessment um and i i think that that's 
kind of the crux of this whole thing for Oregon. Yeah. It's like, you know, as much as there's been talk about what Georgia lost on defense last year, uh, I think what they return in their front four this year will be better at creating quarterback pressure without the help of like, without Georgia having to bring those linebackers and extra rushers from other parts yeah. of the secondary. So yeah, like, I don't know. I, I mean, I think the, I pulled the thing I want to kind of go through real quick is uh, we've got some, some like the, it's tough with this game because Oregon, like you said, they've, they've recruited well, Mm-hmm. Uh, relatively speaking to their conference opponents, but like they just, they don't face anything like Georgia on a year in year out basis. And the closest thing we've seen them play uh, was Utah twice last year in terms of like a, a team that's just going to beat you up and make you quit on the line of scrimmage. And yeah. we saw and, how that went. And a team that says athletic at the line of scrimmage too, right? It's both. It's that physical combined with the athleticism or uh, Utah was, was, was it last year? Yeah. 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 And I mean, I think Georgia is more athletic than Utah yep. at the line of scrimmage. Oh, and, for sure. And, and I, I mean, that's not a, a front to Utah. It's just look at Georgia's roster and what they've recruited. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Josh, do you mind rolling those? Uh, oh, there's your stats. You want to talk about the, the personnel before I roll them? Cause I flash them up on the screen real fancy. Like, <laughs> absolutely so yeah 2021 georgia had at least one tight end on the field for 90.3 percent of its offensive snaps so this this offense runs tight ends um you see there you know it's there the 11 personnel right 12 personnel occasionally 13 personnel but mm-hmm. they play these dudes a lot and that's it's also worth remembering that like darnell washington was hurt for half the year and um, you know, like Fitzpatrick was a, a very good serviceable tight end. He was an NFL draft pick, but I don't think his talent level was what we're talking about with your, your first three tight ends or even your first four tight ends in this room. So are we talking the- likes the tight ends? Are we doing the Oregon uh, uh, plays or are we doing the uh, UGA tight end plays first? What do you want to the Oregon do the Oregon Utah plays real, real quick. Um, yeah. yeah. So Utah, ran more 12 and 13 personnel than anyone last year uh in the first matchup with oregon i pulled clips from both the first and second matchup they are mixed together um but yeah their their tight ends had 71 total snaps in the first matchup and 70 total snaps in the second matchup all three of them played at least uh i'm sorry the the offense had 71 total snaps in the first matchup all three of their tight ends played at least 50 snaps in that game Mm -hmm. so they're on the field a lot. That's a tight end right there. You know, I mean, like they're splitting these dudes out wide. They're going heavy set run formation. And you can kind of see how, you know, how Oregon handles this. Uh, these guys get out in the open field and it's a problem. But I mean, this is what this is what worries me if I'm Oregon is these running backs at the point of attack. Like we know Georgia runs a pull heavy offense. They'll pull these tight ends just like uh, Utah did right there with that kind of H back set and Oregon couldn't really get to the edge to stop it. Uh, this looks familiar from the Michigan game, right? Like yeah. toss out to the edge, let a tight end lead block for you. Or, or lab QB power. Yeah. yeah lab McConkey in the SEC championship game ran that exact play for, for six versus Alabama. So exactly. Yeah. I mean, so like, we know these are things that Georgia does, right. Um, and if I'm Georgia and I've watched this tape, I know the like I mean that's that's a tight end right there, just breaking nine tackles, rumbling down the field in two minute drill. Um, if I'm Georgia and I know Dan Landing is there, and I know that like the scheme has changed, but I'm just like that's number one right there. The linebacker for Oregon uh, is Noah Sewell, who is a very hyped linebacker. He's also 260 pounds. And I think you ask a 260-pound guy to go and, you know, erase angles against Kenny McIntosh, it's going to be tough. There's also going to be a play right here where he gets stiff-armed through the earth by a quarterback. So I'm, I'm not maybe buying the hype on Noah Sewell that, that some people are selling. Uh, I know he's a big athletic kid, but, like, he didn't handle this kind of physicality well when – 
when ran at last year and Oregon's entire defensive front didn't. And it's, it's also, I mean, it's not just the offensive line, right? Like, or the defensive line, like these little underneath routes that Utah ran just got these guys so kind of mixed up and confused and, and had them biting on different fakes. And eventually things started opening up over the top. That was a, you know, that was actually probably a pass interference call. You see him shove him in the back right there. But point being, uh, that is, uh, that's the the nickel corner that they're going to start on Saturday Hill. And you see a tight end that's probably not as athletic as what George is fielding, blowing him off the line. So it's, it's something to uh, consider. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, here you have just tight end coming right through. These guys are biting on these underneath routes. They're worried about it. And all of a sudden you slip them behind and, it's an easy six points. So I think that Georgia, you know, I know that Georgia does a lot of these things and I think you're going to see them do a lot of these things on Saturday. That's Noah Sewell or no, that's not Sewell. I'm sorry. Uh, Here, here Sewell gets, he gets punked again right there. Boom. Um, So yeah, it's interesting. So, so Sewell, he reminds me of uh, a little bit bigger Henry Toa Toa, right? He's um, he's mm-hmm. a guy who he's built in a he's very he's a very athletic kid, but he's but he's built in kind of an older school prototypical kind of Mike linebacker build, right? Like I mean, he's going to be he's he's thick. He's going to try to plug gaps, take up some space, um, and uh, and just be physical with you. The thing that you showed, and I saw this looking at at, at film uh, of Oregon too, is I haven't seen the physicality from Noah Sewell. I didn't see it in the Ohio State game. I didn't see it in Utah. Like he 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 made some plays, uh, mm-hmm. but but I haven't seen you know based on his build and what you would consider his style of play. It, you know, it definitely you can't to me you can't have you can't be in the middle. You got You're, you're a big, like pop people, Mike linebacker, be physical. And you're going to have to figure out how to cover, or you're an athletic guy who like, you're a good tackler. You can fill a gap, but, but really you're athletic and you can get, you know, no one's going to get you out in space on a mismatch. And he kind of gets stuck in between where he kind of does okay in coverage. He kind of does okay being physical. It's just like a kind of okay linebacker and and it's 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 kind of you know i feel ridiculous saying that when you look at the hype machine for him but i don't know that i'm buying it either i don't know if you have darnell washington or brock bowers or um some of these guys or you have you know um tate radledge like coming down on him like i don't i don't know that he's going to be the guy that can be physical enough to fight through that or the guy that can be athletic enough to get out on somebody in coverage um now, that won't happen every play, right? He's going to be good enough to do that at a level that's probably better than most of the linebackers that Georgia will play this year. But these guys that he's going to be up against are better than anybody that he's going to play the rest of this year at these positions. And that, and that's the question. So it is interesting we're talking about the defense because um, the last two years they're allowing almost 28 points a game and they were putting up over 31, 32 points a game the last two yeah. years. So there's been a fall off on the defensive side of the, uh, the ball, and that's clearly why they hired, you know, they landing after mm-hmm. Crystal Ball came in there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like, can this defense live up to the to their hype and their recruiting? And they're gonna, they're gonna, we're gonna find out real quick as Georgia returns a hell of a lot of offense. Um, I tell you what, I do, I do feel comfortable saying. I feel comfortable saying that when you look at some of the some of the fits that they had versus Utah and players being out of position in some places. I feel comfortable saying that's probably not going to happen as much this <laughs> against Georgia because of Dan Lanning and because of that staff over there. I do think, you know, those guys know how to scheme up um, the defense where you're, the guys are going to be in the position to make the play. It's just a matter of, can you make the play? Um, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of like out of position or like, you know, not, kind of not knowing where you are. Like we saw in, in some, some cases last year with Oregon. So flipping back to the offensive side of the ball for Oregon, Graham, I'm curious. The seven McGee guy uh, is curious because he's a five nine guy, clearly a speedster, um, and the other two guys are bigger body wide receivers. And you talked about some of the tight ends. 
I mean, I'm, clearly they're going to have to try to get mismatches. Do you? Where do you see? Who do you see lining up, or do you have a, an idea of where we can watch? And what he's he's he number yeah duh he's number he's seven number seven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I I feel like that's kind of if you're watching the game on TV, you're probably going to hear that you're you're probably they're going to probably hype him up a little bit, a little fast speedster guy that may you know may produce some mismatches on Georgia. I'm sorry, what was the question? So I'm like, who do you see lining up? Where I mean, who do you see him? Well, he's, I mean, he's the slot guy, so that would be Bullard, which yeah. is, I mean, kind of a perfect scenario for Georgia because uh, Bullard is one of the fastest guys on the team, and just I think he's kind of he has the hips to to cover some of those short slants and and ins and outs and some of these little kind of underneath routes, uh, and he's going to close well and tackle. He's a super hard nosed football player, so. I think Georgia will be fine in terms of guarding him downfield, but you know, is does is Oregon able to do some things with him in the screen game, maybe where they can get someone else to occupy Bullard and Georgia has problems maybe fighting through some some blocks on the edge and and getting him to the ground. Uh and you want to talk some Georgia tight ends to next? Yes. You... Yeah, uh, let's throw that tape on. I mean, you're gonna see so just let these run and, and we'll talk as they happen. Um, this is 12 personnel, first first game, first play of the Kentucky game. Georgia's going to have a run play off the edge and they blow the blocking assignment. It's a loss. Very next play, it's going to look like they ran the exact same play and they're going to do this at Kentucky's linebackers. These guys are ready to get blocked, except for they're not getting blocked. It's a play action bootleg and all of a sudden Darnell Washington's rumbling out in the flat. Uh like Kentucky's linebackers last year were a liability in coverage. Right. And so this was where this game kind of broke down for Kentucky uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Kentucky was very good on the defensive line. You know, they were, they were a good Kentucky team, but when you asked these linebackers to deal with these tight ends, whether it was in space and pass coverage or in run blocking, they couldn't do it. Right. And so I think, you might be looking at a similar scenario on Saturday when Oregon and Georgia play. Here's 13, or I'm sorry, this is 12 personnel, but you're going to just see these deep these deep curls, and Kentucky's defense gets so focused on these tight ends that all of a sudden you start seeing A.D. Mitchell left wide open. Um, here you're going to see like a max protect kind of pass situation. Bowers and Fitzpatrick are in, blocking heavy, and that leaves Ladd McConkey time to run a long route. Stetson Big throw from the opposite hash. I was told he has poor arm strength. Apparently not, because he can make that throw. Who would have thought? That was that was into the wind as well. I was at that <laughs> yeah. game, and he was throwing into the wind going in that direction. So, see, there you go. Look at that. Uh, so yeah, you saw some of these Oregon or these Utah tight end pulls, like these kind of run play where the tight end's going to come like an H back across the face of the formation, and uh, some of this counter stuff. Georgia does that a lot too. You'll see them motion these tight ends quite a bit. Um, here you're going to see. So Oregon's linebackers get so focused on these tight ends right here that it, it lets it takes them out of the play. And all of a sudden, James Cook gets left wide open on this angle route in the middle of the field. It's just this big gaping hole. Um, so I think that's like the way that Georgia Todd Mockin started this game, the way he called this game with. Like, I'm going to come right out. I'm going to make your linebackers think about these tight ends. I'm going to do some things. I'm going to show them some different looks. I'm going to, you know, kind of get them second-guessing themselves. And what happens all of a sudden is instead of just playing – yeah, like here's Fitzpatrick getting to the second level, getting enough of this linebacker for Kendall Milton to to take off on a long run. Um, what happens all of a sudden, though, is that instead of just playing football, these guys are, are thinking way too much. and and you get them lean in one way and you go the other way. Uh, right here, you're going to see these tight ends come out and they're going to come all the way up to the safeties and get a block. And it's going to let Stetson spring for a nice little zone read keeper. And I think that Georgia can have a lot of success in the quarterback run game on Saturday. Like that's something that we saw Utah do fairly easily as well. Um, yeah, here you're going to have uh, Bowers, He's going to come across the formation right here, if I'm not mistaken. 
or no, he's just, yeah, he's going to come and pull with the guard Mm -hmm. and he's going to get this edge defender. And all of a sudden Samir White's gone. So I, I guess what I'm trying to drive at here more than anything, obviously, is that like what Georgia needs to do on Saturday is things that are already doing. And we've spent all off season hearing people ask like, how is Georgia going to take advantage of all this tight end talent? And the reality is they had a tight end on the field for 91% of plays last year. Uh, when you go and look at their, their, their numbers, when they were running 12 personnel sets, two tight end sets, 379 plays, uh, 235 run plays at 5.7 yards per an attempt, 144 pass plays at nine yards per attempt. That's very successful, efficient offense. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you've got a guy like Brock Bowers that can do things like this in the screen game. Obviously, we know, you know, Brock Bowers can do a lot of things in a lot of different facets of the game. But I think that Georgia is going to come out in these these heavy tight end sets, and they're going to they're going to dare Oregon to to do something to stop them from running the ball against them. And as soon as Oregon does that thing to keep Georgia from just taking seven eight yard chunks all the way down the field you're going to see what you just saw in that last play where it's, it's bombs away there. You've got all three in the game and these guys, the, this Kentucky defense gets so occupied by these tight ends that all of a sudden you get Samir white in space one-on-one and it's an easy first down. Um, Kenny McIntosh can do things like that on a level that, that white really couldn't in terms of pass game. Um, you know, white was admirable with it, but like Kenny McIntosh can run routes and do things after the catch, like a wide receiver, here you get another one of these wheel routes. This is John Fitzpatrick fit right between a linebacker and a safety. Um, you know, you, you get Brock Bowers out here wide, isolated next to next to Fitzpatrick in to, to do a little extra stuff. And yeah, it's just, I think it's just overwhelming. And, and like, there's nobody else that does this stuff. Maybe outside of the guys in Salt Lake City, like uh, Andy Ludwig is, a fantastic offensive coordinator and and he's kind of doing some of these things as well. And you saw how Ohio state handled it. You saw how Oregon handled it last year and it wasn't very good, but this just, isn't something you didn't practice against if you're Oregon, you know, it's like, you can't just run a, a Bowers, a Gilbert and a uh, Delp and a, uh, Oh my God, what's the one I'm forgetting Darnell Washington out there and practice against it. Cause they're, those guys, there's just not many of them walking around on the face of the earth. Um, you're talking, we were talking earlier about Oregon's defensive line having trouble setting edges. Like, you add tight ends to the, the end of the line like this and just make it even more difficult and add more leverage. And yeah, I mean, it, it, well, it gets hard. Dan Landing said it in an interview this week where he said, um, that <laughs> you know, people, people talk about the, the matchup, uh, issues with tight ends and and linebackers and he said those tight ends he's like they're they're matchup issues with anybody like you you put them on a corner like you run them out as a wide receiver like they're they're going to be a matchup issue for a lot of teams and I think Oregon if there's one place you know um that is a big a big question mark for them on that defense is in the secondary right like you've got um the Bridges kid who is super talented but hasn't played a ton um you've got gonzalez who again um he he, he's good but he hasn't seen the talent that he's gonna see in this game you've got uh i think addison and 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 williams is probably the best one um uh about out of that group but he didn't play well in the bowl game either and so like i think at the end of the day like you've got a few guys in that secondary as well where um you, there's so many things that you pointed out that they haven't seen. And then you throw just on top. You can also just, you can also just split out Brock Bowers on a guy and force a guy to cover him that hasn't been, you know, that hasn't been historically good uh, in coverage. And, and all of a sudden you've created like a very simple mismatch. So it's the complexity of like what's coming at you. And then the simplicity of like, even if you take away a lot of the, the complex things that that georgia does and the athletes they're running it's like just line up and good on good and it's going to be a challenge for some of these guys because we've seen it again like players are going to get better from year to year um 
but when you look at, at uh, you know, at their bowl games, when you look at what they did against Utah, when you look at some of these other opportunities these these kids have had uh, to be in the game, um, they didn't they didn't do super well against guys that are going to be that were significantly less athletic than they're that than they're going to see on on Saturday. For sure. Yeah. All right. So. There it is, man. Graham's good to be back. We're not wrapping the show up. I'm just pausing just to reset a little bit. We're not going We're good. That was film. Sorry. Yeah, I know that was that was, that was lengthy. No, no, dude. Hell yeah. That. That's what they, they eat it up, dude. We're getting comments and we're getting 30. We got a bunch of viewers nice. live on YouTube. So it's this is great. This is what we're talking about. Talking what? season's over. Awesome. Talking season's right. over. That's what the that's yeah. the name of the My Gotta Podcast hype video, which you gotta check out on Twitter, which we all retweeted. So check that out. But okay. Uh, we'd be remiss to not talk about uh, prize picks. We have a coupon code, so 100% up to $100 match, deposit match on that. Uh, Dogs Central is that coupon code. I'm excited to be partnering up with them. Excited to do some prize picks this week. Um, speaking yeah, of- they've got some fun stuff. Oh, dude, they got a ton. There's so much action tomorrow night. So if you're Jones in which everybody is, get in there. I didn't even <laughs> realize Arizona State was playing, dude. We got our old friend Felipe Franks. Yeah, right? Oh. I think so. Are they no, not Felipe Franks. Emory Jones. Uh, Emory Jones. Jones. Sorry. Emory Jones. Yeah. Emory yeah. Jones. Uh, they're the same. They're just very they're similar same. quarterbacks. <laughs> My apologies. Well, no. So I'm excited. This, I, I, I do need to share as we enter the 2002 uh, season that this podcast is no longer firm for Herm when it comes to Arizona uh, State football. We were previously very firm for Herm, uh, but due to EPA sanctions and what seems to be coming down the pipe. I think we're going to fade the Sun Devils for now. Yeah, for, for, firm for Herm has turned into Herm the Worm, I think. Um, and we'll just we'll just flip the script on it. All right. Do well, we... Yeah, as far as prize picks, though, uh, tons of great lines on there. If you want to bet on former Georgia quarterback JT Daniels' uh, line tomorrow night, you can you can bet on whether or not he will go over or under 250.5 passing yards. So – and two and a half uh, touchdowns. Yeah. Two and a half touchdowns. And two and a half touchdowns. <laughs> under <got> rushing yards. <laughs> under. <laughs> we know, <laughs> know where Josh is going to be. Uh, and our friend uh, Emory Jones uh, is one and a half. Felipe Franks is much lower than that. Uh, I like. I like the. I think Emory's. I like the over on that. But anyway, I don't want to go down that path. We'll have some more fun. But you please check it out. That's a good way to help us out, and it's a good way to have a lot of fun. Um, yeah, and, and dogs, dogs, and it's totally illegal in the state of Georgia and in most states, but uh, a lot of the states where you guys cannot legally wager on a uh, betting line for a game, prize picks is legal to give you an alternative to get some action. Take some PayPal. One of us might or may not have put some hat money that uh, oh. from a, from PayPal into into said prize picks today. So, I, all right, I, I want to give. Oh, go for it, Graham. I just realized that. They, they've updated some of the lines since the last time I looked last night. Brock Bowers over under 59.5 receiving yards on Saturday. This is a dog central official. You can go ahead and hammer the over on that. I'm telling you. <laughs> That's a you lock. Hit the over. That's a lock. Yeah. It's the stone cold lock of the week of the year. Um, yeah. Shout I'm, out to Ryan Halinski for making, making me a little bit of, of money uh, because yeah. uh Prize picks had him at at one fifty seven point five passing yards, and the guy uh, blew that out of the water in the first half versus Nebraska last week. So thank you, Ryan Holinsky from Northwestern. Nice. Appreciate you. Uh, do we want to talk about some predictions? Or are we saving that for Saturday? No, let's. We can. We'll we'll do it now. I'm I got I got some stats as well. Okay, here's a three year average for Georgia's offense: forty seven percent success rate. Last year we were at forty nine and a half. So we're on the upward trend there, and I don't see a reason to think we'll regress much there at all, if not improve there. Uh, defensively, 37% defensive success rate allowed. And this is cool. I'm going to try this out and see if it helps us with some of these metrics. Um, you know, the, Georgia on offense puts up 1.1 point per successful play and allows 0.6 per defensive play successful allowed. So if we flip that to uh, Oregon, so if you're if, – you're averaging run 63 plays and they're roughly 50. If they're going to get 50% success rate, that's, you know, 30 something plays and they're averaging over a point. It's easy to see Georgia being able to run up 31, 32, 33, three points on average. Uh, offensively uh, on the converse of that Oregon, let me get here. Oregon is again, a pretty good offensive team, 49% success rate on a three-year average. 
and a little higher on the 43, which is not bad. I mean, Georgia's just elite defensively in the last three years. Um, and they're, again, they're right there matching that 1.1 per, and, but they're allowing, you know, you know, almost two, two tenths more allowed. So I'm, I'm thinking that Georgia's going to have 48, 49% success rate. They're going to run 60 something plays and they're probably going to be around that 1.0 to 1.0, 1.1 yards point per. So I'm saying 31, 31, 32. And I think Georgia is going to hold them to around 0.7.6 at, 45 percent success rate and my prediction let me see here where's the score oh my gosh 31 20 31 to 20 oh my god 31 to 20 31 20 there's mine so i'll explain that in a blog post because that was a lot of numbers and a lot of stuttering but uh anyway that's where that's where i'm going to be working my uh it's science okay it's not science It's, it's 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 what i'm doing this year i'm trying to like take all these successful success rates and all that and actually match them to some points so that is um, i love it so it I, I came out a little lower than i thought honestly i was expecting to be a 34 35 and it's definitely possible you know georgia can can blow up and i think graham just just said to hell with this that was terrible uh, no, no, I just, my light flicked off again <laughs> yeah so um i have all my lights on that phillips hue thing and sometimes they randomly they go off and change colors and it drives my wife crazy graham so. just wants everyone to see the whites of his eyes when he <laughs> makes this pick so i respect it john uh, where's your head at for this listen my i i i keep going back and forth so i i um as you know as a subjective uh student and watcher of football i have one side as a georgia fan my entire life i have another side um but i will say this i think that i think the athletes that georgia has on offense are going to be incredibly overwhelming for oregon i think this is probably graham you said this a couple times and i agree Uh, i think this is probably the best offensive line that georgia is going to have assuming everyone stays healthy under kirby smart i think this offensive line is going to be very very good i think the uh the skill players um are going to be very very good i think there are challenges for oregon that you saw exposed by utah um all over the field those exist whether those guys have gotten better or not in the offseason, I still think they exist. Um, and honestly, I am going to throw a little bit of a nugget in there, and this is just the the emotion side of it. Um, I think there's a lot of pressure, man. There's pressure on Dan Lanning. There's pressure on Bo Nix. There's pressure coming across the country. There's pressure. Oregon, ha- that all that said, Oregon has played well in these games they've played well when they've come across the country and played uh teams now they played teams like auburn whose quarterback was bo nix so uh there's that too for me i've gone back and forth i think you know um the numbers that i look at the matchups that i look at i think this is going to be a 38 to 18 a 38 to 20 type game i think georgia is going to cover the 17 personally um, and I could see it being higher than that. I think Georgia's going to score a lot of points this game. Um, and, um, and I think it's going to be, honestly, I think a lot, a lot of it is going to, to have to do deal with, um, Oregon, not having as many possessions as I think, uh, other opponents might have. I think, I think there's going to be, Oregon's going to have a little bit of trouble staying on the field in my personal opinion. So I think Oregon will probably get a few, right? Like it's the first game. I think they'll probably get a few where, um, you have uh, some of these big bodied wide receivers that end up making some plays and, uh, you know, you end up having uh, a, a good thrower or two in an intermediate um, kind of thing. And Oregon will probably score some points, um, but I don't see them scoring more than 20. And I see Georgia scoring 38. So that's my pick. Yeah, 38 to 19 ish. Perfect. <laughs> it's a cover. It's a cover at a 17 point line. It's a cover. That's what you need to know. Uh, it's it's gonna be, it's gonna be fun for about, I don't know, 18 minutes for Oregon, and then I think I think it's gonna be challenging. Yes, I I like where your head's at. Uh, I think this game, like, as much as we're talking about. Georgia's inexperience. I mean, 
you're still talking about like Jalen Carter and Michael Williams and Tyron Ingram Dawkins and Zion Logue and a host of other Kirby smart. The way he talks about smile Munden's athleticism, like, and he doesn't, and Kirby and Kirby doesn't throw out compliment. Like he doesn't waste compliments. Um, 100%. Sorry. Yeah, no, you're good. You're good. I was going to say the same thing. Like I've been told, that Smile Monday is more athletic than all the dudes that Georgia has lost the NFL. And I remember watching Channing Tindall look like a freaking rocket ship speeding across the field and nailing dudes. So that seems like a good thing for Georgia. Um, I think there will be some mental errors early. Uh, I think I'm not worried about Lassiter on the edge. I think that Lassiter will, will be fine at, at the defensive back spot opposite of Ringo. Um, I won't be shocked if Ringo gives up a play or two just because he's kind of prone to doing that. But I think Georgia's going to have to press these receivers a little bit on the outside and make things tough for him. Um, we know what's there in Christopher Smith. Very anxious and excited to see Malachi Starks on some, some six defensive back packages because I think he's going to probably do something that everyone's like, whoa, that guy should not be able to move that quickly at that size, and he will. Um, the defense will, there's going to be something that happens. There, there'll be some mental mistakes or some errors or what have you, but I, I do kind of think that Georgia is gonna push them around up front a little bit on the defensive line. And the, I think that the talk about the offensive line for Oregon, as positive as it's been and as many snaps as they return and all that, it's like when I turn on the tape and I look at what they've done against talent equal kind of talent or, or something close to what Georgia plays. Like it doesn't look that great. Right. Uh, I think they have a big question at what they're going to do at the tackle position. You know, they're moving the right tackle maybe over to left tackle, but, but they may put the left, that guy at left guard. So their, their former left guard can play left tackle. Like they're trying to figure some stuff out at both bookends. And I wouldn't want to be doing that going into a game against Georgia. Um, I think that Georgia will will harass the quarterback position pretty regularly, and I think you're going to see, you know, probably a, a turnover or two. Um, I, I like where Georgia is offensively. I mean, I I think this ends up being the best Georgia offense we've seen since 2018 from a statistical standpoint, and I think that these tight ends are going to wreak absolute havoc. And right when you get worried about how do I match up big on big you know here comes lad mcconkey here comes ad mitchell here comes all these athletes at wide receiver and here comes kenny mcintosh out of the backfield so i think georgia is going to score a lot of points um i think oregon's defensive line is good like i I think they're deep i guess is what i should say but i just don't think there's the star power there to you know, I watched Broderick Jones come into a national championship game and shut down Will Anderson. And I just, I can't, having seen that, I can't really sit here and convince myself that anyone from Oregon's coming off the blind side with any regularity and, and creating problems. And if they do get in the backfield, we know that Stetson Bennett is good at getting out of those situations and avoiding those those big negative plays. So I think Georgia's going to score a lot of points. Um, I think Oregon's going to score some points too. I am going to say Georgia 45 Oregon 20, maybe 24, but I think, I think Georgia covers either way. Um, And I mean, I'm not going to be surprised either if we get to the end of this game and Georgia's given up like 13 points, you know what I mean? Like just, I don't know. How many times have we seen Kirby smart do this? Not 22 ish. God, (laughs) it's 20, 20, call it 20. (laughs) Uh, I'm just playing with you, but yeah, I, I think we've seen, We've seen Kirby Smart and Glenn Schumann and and now Will Muschamp involved. Like we've seen these guys do this on defense year after year after year. And one thing that Kirby's been really good at in his time at Georgia uh, is games where he has a lot of time to prepare, be that bowl games or openers. Um, Georgia had no business winning that 2016 opener against North Carolina and Atlanta, but they did. Like, yeah, I just I think shout out Mitch Trubisky, Mitchell. 
Mitsubishi. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Graham, while you were going through that and I was listening to you break it down, I had 4517 typed in before you gave it. So nice. Uh, nice. You know so, so then they had a backspace and 22 ish, and then you yelled at I me. Love it. I kind of, I wanted to say 48, but I had 48 in there. I think it was like, I, listen. I could see it. I think thir- for me, I think 38 is the floor for Georgia. And I think it just goes up after that. Um, because if you that. look at number of possessions, if you look at, you know, what I think Georgia's going to be able to do, um, I, I think there, I think there's going to be a lot of points scored um, for Georgia. Now, you know, the Georgia defense, I, I don't know. I just have a hard time looking at that line of scrimmage and seeing even historically with, with Oregon, the teams that they've struggled against, even if you go all the way back to 2019, that Auburn game, like the challenge was they lost that game because at the end of the game, the line of scrimmage like for Auburn was just able to, yeah, was just able to be more physical and the Auburn defense was able to be more physical. Utah more physical at the line of scrimmage. Um, and I don't see anything in that line of scrimmage uh, on, on either side that the, the defensive line for Oregon, I think is going to be better than they were last year. But I definitely don't see Oregon's offensive line. I just don't get it. I hear a lot of people talking about it, like we talked about earlier, and I look at their – I look at the film. I look at some of their grades from last year, which some of them did pretty well, but there are holes there. Um, and I just watch what Utah did to them, and I'm like, really? Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, I, I just – is this it's some of the same guys some of the same guys are the same guys that could do absolutely nothing against a utah defensive line that uh is not as athletic and physical as they're about to see on saturday i agree yeah i'm, I'm with you and i think that there's a lot of covering going on in the chat here a lot of, a lot of what a lot of covering the, lot of the, cover. yeah. the one caveat is the kirby death march <laughs> Yeah, just Will Kirby. Will Kirby. Listen, it's still a phrase from your brother's pod. So yeah, absolutely. Shout out to Locked On, Locked On Bulldogs guys. Kirby Death March. Is he going to slow everything down? Try to avoid injuries if Georgia jumps out to a big lead. It probably, but I still think that they'll score. And I I mean, I guess the thing that I would say is, ever since Mocking came into the fold, like even when Georgia does slow it down, they still go and score points, it, you know, yeah. under, under Jim well, Chaney, it was like, oh, okay, we're just going to sit on this and punt after a first down. But yeah. Yeah. Mocking, Mocking likes to score points. Um, Two weeks ago, he said, Todd Munkin, his quote in the press conference was, I get paid to score, to be explosive and to contribute to winning the game. And so the way he was talking about that was does. very, Yeah. He, he was like, I don't get paid. He said his exact quote was, I don't get paid to win the game. I get paid to score points and to be explosive. And then I also have to contribute to winning the game. And that's where I think that's that second half kind of like ball control. I think that's where he was trying to fit some of that in. But he was very clear in his press conference, at least for me, listening to him talk is he he wants to score points and uh, well and be explosive. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I'm going to say is, well, two things. All right. Two factors, I think, lead to Georgia scoring some points at the end of this game. One, some of the wide receiver recruiting narratives that have been going on, some of the negative recruiting that certain programs have participated in against Georgia lately because Georgia hasn't had a thousand yard receiver since 2002 with Terrence, uh, yeah, Terrence Edwards. Like, I think Todd Mockin is real tired of it. And I think he's going to come out and be like, like I think the over under for Georgia passing yards on Saturday should be, should be three hundred. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I, I think they're gonna, I think they're gonna air it out. And then the other side of it too is, I don't think Kirby wants to embarrass his former assistant by any stretch, but like, like Kirby and Dan Lanning's relationship was not like. Kirby and Sam Pittman's relationship or Kirby and Mel Tucker's relationship. And like, and Kirby beat Sam Pittman 37 to nothing. So yeah, exactly. Well, but he could have beat him 57 to nothing. Yeah. Well, that's like, you know, that, that was a courtesy call, but I guess what I'm saying is like, I, I, I don't know. I think that by no means do I think Kirby's angry at Dan Lanning for leaving or anything like that, but some of the things that went down and how he left probably maybe rubbed things a little, 
bit wrong. And that's all I'll say. If you want to talk about it over on the Dog Central subscriber forum, we can we can have that conversation there. But yeah, I I think that Kirby will be fine. Like if if it's fifty two, that's fine. Uh, I'm gonna throw one more out there. I'm gonna throw one more out there. Listen, <laughs> I love Josh. Josh's little is his overlays. I'm totally nerding out over here. The overlays are perfect. I'm gonna throw one more prediction. I think Stetson Bennett is gonna throw the ball. 25 yeah. to 30 times this game. I think right. he, I think he's going to throw. I think he might. I, I think he might push 35 passes this game. I think if uh, that's what's working, then he will. Well, yeah. I think I think what's going to. I think there's going to be. Uh, I think if you look at the screen game, if you look at what Georgia had to do in the SEC championship game, I think you're going to see a lot of those plays, not because they have to do them, but because they want to do them. Like we just talked about it, watching Utah. Like I think you're going to see a lot of. What might have been a handoff to a running back uh, is now just, you know, is is now a toss to a tight end, um, which is an attempt. I think you're going to see a lot of that. Yeah, right. and I mean, like, I just I, – the one thing I'll emphasize, the last thing yeah. I'll say before we, we wrap this up is just, yeah. like, this game really breaks down for those two inside linebackers. Oh, one thing I haven't even mentioned, Justin Flo, he's back. He was a heralded recruit. Everyone wanted him, Georgia included. Uh, but – I don't think he can do much in pass coverage either. Uh, I went back and looked at the one game that he played last year. He was was targeted seven times and gave up six receptions for 68 yards and a touchdown in pass coverage against Fresno State. It doesn't sound good, Graham. I think it's going to be a bad day for Sewell and Flo. I think Jordan's going to RPA those dudes to death. Get those big guys running down. Well, I I knew it was going to be a bad day. I knew it was going to be a bad day for those guys when Kirby said he had tremendous respect for them. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I have tremendous respect for those linebackers. We tried to recruit them here. Yeah, it's going to be a bad day. Wow, wow, wow. We got a lot more to talk about. Clearly, we could keep going, but we're going to save some of it because we've got Ask Dog Central coming up tomorrow night. We got our uh, Players Lounge tailgate show Saturday morning. So yeah. we're going to keep uh, – we're getting great comments in there, but keep them up. Keep the comments coming in. Dogs – yeah, Dog Central Live game day, 10.30 a.m. Saturday morning uh, so from the shadow of the Mercedes-Benz butthole dome and the big body Benz. We're going to be there. Come by the Players' Lounge tailgate. We're doing our whole thing. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, hope to see you guys. But if you can't be there, tune in because Spike Squad will be there former Georgia Letterman could be on set with us. We don't really know what's going to happen, but it's going to be some interesting folks that we talk with and it'll it's, be fun. It's going to be fun. And at this point, unpredictable, but we're going to have, we're going to be doing, we're going to be having some fun, uh, not only Saturday, but the rest of the year. All right. I'm, uh, I'm excited. We're going to, I'm going to button this point up that Graham just mentioned. There's going to be a lot of fun there. If you can't make it and you want to experience the sights and sounds of what's happening outside uh, Mercedes Benz stadium, please tune in because I, I I think it's a unique opportunity uh, that I haven't seen in the past um, for, for Georgia fans to be able to tune in uh, in in the live environment there. So, yep. Absolutely. All right. Check us out everywhere. Re, uh, share, rate, review, all that sort of stuff. We need you to do this. Spread the word. We're having fun and come join the fun on dogcentral.com. With that, we'll check with you later. Go dogs. Go dogs.